The message you are about to hear was preached at Gosim Africa 2019. Justification by grace through faith. Stay tuned. So we can overflow with purpose in mind. You say to us, Father, in the name of Jesus, I do not want to trivialize the person of your spirit. I realize that when you gave your Holy Spirit, you gave your all. Is our teacher, is our guide, is our helper. You said it will show us things to come so that we will not wallow in darkness as blind men and women, but we will have light where others have darkness. And so we receive the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the place and the role that you play in our lives. We welcome you with open arms. That if you, Holy Spirit, can speak through Paul the way you did, and we know you did. We open ourselves that you use us to speak to our generation. To the men and the women to whom you have sent us. That when we speak, we will not speak empty, shallow words. But we will speak pregnant words that will bring productivity, that will bring progress, that will bring transformation, that will bring deliverance in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you afresh. Move in us. Move through us. Speak in us. Speak through us. We'll open our ears. We say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. In the name of Jesus, we welcome you. Thank you. Thank you. You are the great helper. We receive your help. We thank you right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you that you open the eyes of our understanding. You bring enlightenment. You bring revelation. You bring understanding. You bring clarity. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We embrace you now. Thank you for this resource to the church. We honor and we bless your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Amen. Okay, let's move on. So we know, we know from the scriptures that Everything Paul said about himself is true because in Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 17. Come, somebody read that, please. Acts 19, 13 through 17. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are ye? Really, that's good enough. Now, isn't this amazing? Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Even demons are now acknowledging the authority Paul carried. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, I know. Demons, now, I, I need to say this with brevity. Demons place Paul almost in the same category as Jesus. This is this late comer. Johnny come lately. That even demons acknowledge Abba. We knew Peter, but you, you, this you, you Paul. Now, your own, your own is too much. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? question for us today, 
does hell know you? Because hell needs to know you. If you are going to make any impact in our time, you must be recognizable in hell. When you read the Gospels, Mark chapter 3, Matthew, you know, the demons knew Jesus before the Pharisees. He's trying to tell these Jewish people that he's the son of God, and they didn't believe him. But the demons said, ah, ah. <laughs> son of God, you've got, have you come to torment us? They knew. They knew. But I believe in the name of Jesus, as we continue to grow in the knowledge of who he is, the hell will know us. Now, let's move on. So, again, we're still establishing ethos. Who was Paul? That, that's where we've been all day. He first met with Peter, in your notes now, on the second to the last paragraph. He first met with Peter three years after his conversion in Jerusalem for 15 days, and then waited another 14 years before he went back to Jerusalem for a second visit. Now, while he respected those who were apostles before him, he made it clear they did not add anything to him. Kai! Rather, they perceived that the grace to reach the Gentiles had been given to him just as the message to the circumcision had been committed to Peter. Amen? He mentioned that to us in Galatians chapter 1. I believe it was. Yeah. Now, Galatians 1.10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men, for if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. So he's saying to us, no, I was not a man pleaser. So Paul's background and conversion made for an incredible story of grace. That when duly considered, is of itself a demonstration sufficient to prove that Christianity is a divine revelation. Are we now wondering why Paul became a champion of grace, having received grace himself? So you can understand why Paul's message was the gospel of God's grace. Because he himself was a recipient of that grace. Amen? So now that concludes the ethos or the life of Paul. Now let's move to the pathos. Pathos has to do with why was Paul so passionate? And we can see his passion come out in this writing because he's saying things that is so uncharacteristic of him. This was one of the most harshest messages that he ever wrote. Now, the reason he was so passionate was because Christianity at that time was at crossroads. It was about to be hijacked and made as an ethnic Jewish religion. Huge. What's the point of contention? Let me just read it. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Acts 15, 1. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, this is after the cross. This is after the cross. Verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, no, 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 uh, verse 5, verse 5, Acts 15, 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. This is the reason Paul was so passionate. 
Because this is what's happening. He's traveled among these churches, established to them the finished gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been soundly born again. And when he left, these false brethren came in and began to spread this false doctrine that no way you guys are not saved. Unless you are circumcised, it's not possible. And not only that, you must continue to fulfill and carry out the law of Moses. Except you do that, you cannot be born again. What are they trying to do? They were in essence trying to hijack this new fledging church and make them become the Jewish religion. They are not saying Jesus is not the Messiah. They are saying salvation is Jesus plus Moses. And what Paul taught the church there was Jesus plus nothing. So they are saying, no, 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 no. It's, it's, not, it's not that simple. Yeah, Jesus, we understand. But you must add to him Moses. Circumcision and all the other laws. <laughs> Look at who just walked in. <laughs> Praise God. So they said, you must add, it must be Jesus plus the law of Moses. Welcome, Pastor Samore, all the way from Maryland. Praise God. Yeah. So there was a danger here that the church was to be hijacked to become a Jewish sect. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. Jesus did not die and finish the work only to turn it around and make it a Jewish sect again. No. So it is with that passion that he wrote this letter. He used some of the strongest languages he ever used in all of scriptures. Let's go there. Galatians. Chapter 1 verse 6. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in what? You guys are just... Yes, you guys talk to me now, please. So, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> let's, let's do that again. He's marveling that they are turning away so soon from who? From the grace. Remember how we define grace? Unmerited, unearned, undeserved. Because what these Judaizers are saying to these people is that, no, it's Jesus plus Moses. Jesus plus circumcision and the law of Moses. And Paul is saying, no, it is Jesus plus nothing. Grace does not come with anything you have to do. Yes. So he said, I marvel what could have happened to you that you are so turned away from him who called you into grace to a different gospel, which is not another. In fact, you, 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 do you see what he's saying? In fact, let me say this to you, all of you pastors here. If you are preaching anything other than what Paul preached, you are not preaching the gospel. He just said, listen, uh, did you just read it? Here. Yeah. He said, who? He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Then he corrected himself. He said, no, 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 it's naturally not a different gospel. It's not even a gospel. Which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now look at verse 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven 
preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. It can't get any stronger than that. If anybody else preaches anything other than this gospel of grace, even if an angel, so-called angel, came from heaven and preaches anything other than what I've told you, let him be accursed. So all of you guys, I say you went to heaven. You some, uh, the, God sent you back from heaven and said you should go and forgive somebody before you can go to heaven. I don't want to tell you what Paul has to say. It is a lie. It is a serious lie. And I said to you earlier, and I said it again, Jesus and Paul, do not, they don't contradict themselves. When you understand grace, you see that, Jesus, you see that Paul is an extension of Jesus. The message that Jesus was speaking that he could not speak any longer because those guys did not have the capacity to receive by his spirit in a gift to Peter. Oh, to Paul, I'm sorry. Thank you. To Paul. Now, I said it, I need to say it again. Matthew is incomplete. Mark is incomplete. Luke is incomplete. John is incomplete. They are good men, but they are all incomplete. If you are carrying Matthew, Luke, and John around and think you have the gospel, you are deceiving yourself. Until you reach Paul, you don't have the gospel. <laughs> there are no five, four gospels. There's five gospels. And really, we can really argue that there's one gospel. And if we make it one gospel, it's Paul. But if you like number five, then it's five gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul. <laughs> but if you want to boil it down to one, Paul. Listen. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and still go to hell. Straight away. Expressway to hell. But you, I'll get you in a minute. But you get the Pauline epistles. Oh, man. We're going to get to it tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Listen. I said this to the church in Atlanta. Now I understand why people are born again and they cannot buy victory if it was sold for one CD on the store. If victory... Living a life of victory was available at ShopRite for one CD. They can buy it. They can buy it. Because the key to living and walking in the spirit is not given to us in Matthew, Luke, John, and uh, uh, Mark. You will never know how to walk in the spirit if that's all you read. That revelation was not given to none other than Paul. And that's the key to living and moving a successful victorious Christian life. Now, you understand I'm not trying to exalt one above the other. It just happens that we're studying from the book of Galatians. And like I told you, in times past, I read the whole Bible, but I never really paid attention to Paul in the unique way that I am now. I never did. I just thought it's like the rest of them. But now I'm finding out that the message for me was not given to Matthew. The message for me was not given to Mark, Luke, and John. No. No. Paul said, in this dispensation, God gave him the mystery for me, for you, to complete the word of God in our lives. Matthew don't have that. I thank God for Matthew because he reveals to me the life of Jesus and helps me to see the nature of God, his love, his kindness, his mercy. I thank God for that. But that will not help me when I need to love my wife. That will not help me when I need to deal with my child that may not behave improperly. 
Matthew has nothing to say about that. No, Mark, no Luke, no John. No! That revelation was not given to them because they could not contain it. I have many more things to say to you, but you are not able to bear it. Matthew, you're a good man. Shake my hand. You're a good man, Matthew. But you are not able to bear it. I can't give it to you. How about you, Mark? I like your goggles. You're a good man. But you're not able to contain it. How about you, Mr. Luke? You're a good man. You're not able to contain it. John, look at this John here. <laughs> the one that has the revelation that Jesus loves him. You're a good man. But I need to pass your dispensation. And he went to Paul and gave it to him. One that was born out of due order. So Paul could not boast. He could not say there was something he did to deserve it. He was born out of due order. You useless man. Okay, you go to the earth. Due order. Out of due order. But because of what God did for him, he did not play with this revelation. A man who was unworthy, undeserving, that received a personal attention from God on the road to Damascus. And God says, now, you are my chosen vessel. To bear my name before kings and Israel and the Gentiles. Now go tell them about my grace, how much I love them, unconditionally, unlimitedly. And thank God, he was faithful to that call. Faithful to that call. Yes, Balaam. Okay, just uh, based on, um, you, you have written something twice now, that um, there are people who say they had revelation of going to heaven and they were denied uh, yeah, passage into heaven because of unforgiveness. Yes. And um, Based on what you said earlier on, sir, that unforgiveness, it, it, after the cross, we forgive because we have been forgiven. Yes. Now, in a case where someone, and you also said something very vital, that um, is <laughs> a belief that, um, that makes us live holy. That unbelief is actually what is the root of sin. Yes. And belief is the root of living right, living yes. holy. Correct. Yeah. Now, in a case where someone is born again. Mm-hmm. And then lives in unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. Based on the teaching, mm -hmm. he's like he has received mm -hmm. Christ, but he, he, in that area of unforgiveness, mm -hmm. he's expressing or living in unbelief. And wouldn't that actually hinder the person from because from the last year teaching, <laughs> which I went back to teach in church for a month. <laughs> Praise yeah, God. Yeah. That's good. That's why I appreciate that. Yes. Believing, yes. which is the key. Mm -hmm. To going to heaven, mm -hmm. not just because your sin, not because of sin. Mm -hmm. So coming to that, sir, if mm -hmm. a person who has received Christ mm -hmm. and lives in unforgiveness, mm -hmm. maybe butting offenses and not mm -hmm. forgiving, and he dies, mm -hmm. uh, is that not an expression of unbelief, which can hinder the person from making heaven, sir? You are making a very good point, but let me clarify it for you. Okay, sir. Remember the guy that came to Jesus and said, "I believe, but help my unbelief." In the same sentence. Okay. So, what you have is, in order for me to be born again, I must believe on the Lord Jesus. And then, in living the life of a believer, 
I must be believing on a day-to-day basis on all the other tenets of faith. So because I do not believe to release forgiveness has not negated me from believing that the Lord Jesus is the Lord. Do, do you see the difference? I believe, but help my own belief. I'm a believer, ah, but to forgive this brother, I need help. Do you see the difference? I'm still a believer. But I just have a problem in forgiving you right now because I just need help in that area. So that has not negated my foundational belief that brings me into the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? Yes, no, you, I, I want to make sure you get it. <laughs> I believe, help my unbelief. Don't, so, so when we say believe, it's not a one word package for everything. So to be born again, I believe. Period. That's, that's done. But what happens from that day on? I need to believe the other things he's telling me to do. I need to believe those things. So the fact that I believe two, three, two or three things and not the other one has not negated my original belief. It just means I need to grow in that area so I can also believe in that area. Does that make sense? Yes, um, Follow-up questions. Okay. Uh, in that case, does it mean that, okay, well, the Bible says we have to believe that Jesus as Lord to be saved. Yes. Is that the belief that actually guarantees us heaven? Yes. So if I'm not, I don't believe in some other part of the scriptures or the gospel of Christ, can that be an issue? That would not be an issue for heaven. It'd be an issue for you while you're on earth. Okay. Benefiting from the blessings of the kingdom. Yes. Okay, sir. See, to go to heaven, mm. 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 believe on the Lord Jesus. Ah, we just read it. Acts chapter 8. Yes. The Ethiopian Enoch. He asked, what shall I do? Do you believe? Yeah, I believe. Bang, he was water baptized. Does that mean he's perfect? Does that mean he's blameless? No. no. We are not talking of the issue of blamelessness. You, are you hearing what I'm saying? As long as you and I live on this earth, we are growing. There are, even now, as I speak to you, there are areas in my own life I'm believing God for to believe and to be everything the scripture says. All of us. Paul himself told us, I have not, I do not consider myself to have apprehended. He said, I have not arrived. But I'm pressing. Why is he pressing? That's the great apostle. And the great apostle is telling that he's pressing towards the call of God in Christ Jesus. What is that call? The full manifestation of his sanctification. So he's telling you, hey, I've not attained. No, no, I'm not there yet. But I'm pressing. I, I see you. But I'm pressing. Amen. You, you understand? So don't put a yoke on yourself that God has not put on you. We are not going to go to heaven because we are blameless. You are not going to go to heaven because you are, you are, you are, you are so pure and perfect. There's nothing. No, no, no. If that's the case, heaven will be empty. What did God say about David? A man after my own heart, who will do all of my will? David, you did all of your will? Hello, is it the same David we read about? Are you kidding me, God? Hey, God, what, are you are you really serious about that? Abraham, the friend of God. What? Remember what I told you earlier. God never sees you and I based on our present condition. Get that out of your mind. It's not looking at you and stalk and labeled you based on what you are doing now. No. No. He's seeing you from his finished work. 
the work that he has already finished. He did it. That's why he can see it like that. So he's seeing you from the position that is already finished and completed in you. The Bible, Paul tells us, oh, this Paul is too much. He said, he that began a good work in you. Ha, yeah, 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 yeah. He will complete it. The issue is, can you believe it? Yeah. Easy. Um, okay. My own thoughts on heaven, as it were, was or is, as Christians, our life here on earth is not chasing heaven. Because if you read clearly in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is mm -hmm. a deposit, yep. guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's position. So by believing in him and having the Holy Spirit deposited in you, yeah, it's guaranteed. That heaven is guaranteed. There's no... It's not about, oh, will I make heaven or you're already going to heaven. The whole purpose is learning more about the <laughs> God you are going to meet through our experiences as Christians. So if you are being a Christian for going to heaven, it's the wrong motivation. Because Paul, who we are talking about, has already established that it's guaranteed, the inheritance is guaranteed that you are God's possession. So you are just on earth to learn more about him and start your heaven from now. Ah! Ogami. Oh, I need to give some CDs. That is too much. Everything he said is true. Unfortunately, many of us in this room don't believe it. Many of us in this room don't believe it. You believe you are saved today, you are lost tomorrow. Saved today, you are lost tomorrow. Oh, yes. If the truth be told. Many of us don't believe it. And that's the reason we would never be able to live the life. Because go forward, come backwards. Go forward, come backwards. We're going to address in this lesson at some point signs to show us that many of us are still living under the law. We're going to address it. Now, the point is, it's up to us to choose who we're going to trust. The law of Moses or Jesus. You have a choice. You have a choice. But we are just saying to you, God has finished it. Moses did his. And I'm not talking about Bishop Moses Aponsa here. <laughs> I'm not talking about Bishop. Moses did his part. And he did a great job. It was good for that time. But God has done a new thing. And the point is, we have to be extremely careful not to put new wine in old wine skins. You get this truth. You come to this time, you spend two days, get grace message, finish work, and you go back to your church and put it back in your old wine skin. And you kill it. You can't do it. You have to make a clean break. Say clean break. <laughs> clean, say a clean break. If you don't make a clean break, you will not get the result. God don't want any mixtures. Either he is sufficient or you are sufficient. 
You have to make a choice. Yes, Bishop. Uh, uh, By the way, when he, this guy came, he came to me as a young boy. Yes. Now he's a bishop. So you see what, where grace is at work. God has promoted him beyond me now. He's a, he's a bishop now. So <laughs> praise God. Go ahead. Papa, I want to, I, I want you to um, explain to us after grace, mm -hmm. then we, we have been forgiven. Yes. What is sin and what is the effect of sin after <laughs> okay. grace? Okay. Are you still going to be here this afternoon? Yes, sir. You're going to be here tomorrow morning? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Just sit down for right now. Thank you very much. Brother. <laughs> but no, really. That's a, that's a legitimate question. I will not answer the question now, but let me just throw this out right now. There are two big ob obstacles to grace. What I call two big elephants in the room. Number one elephant. Are you saying to me that my personal effort and personal labor does not count in my internal destiny? Are you saying God will not take into account my effort, my struggle, my personal uh, discipline, and the hard work I do? And the answer is, yes, I'm saying that to you. Grace is not fair. And thank God it is not fair. <laughs> we'll explain that when we get there. But what I'm saying to you is, your personal sweat, labor, running around, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I should just lay down and just sleep forever? No. No. We, when we get there, we, we answer that question appropriately. There are two kinds of works. There's dead works and good works. Anything I'm doing to please God, I'm doing it to please God, is dead works. Ain't okay. Dead works and good works. The difference is the motivation. The motivation. If I'm doing it in order to please God, in order to get a blessing, in order to win God's favor, it is absolutely junk. J-U-N-K. Junk. Good works are the works that I do as a result of the favor God has given me, of the as a result of the blessing he has given me, I'm motivated to do it because of what he has done for me. Big difference. Big difference. The second elephant. You all know elephants? <laughs> elephant is a, is a giant animal. The second elephant. Does morality count under grace? Morality. Living right. Does grace promote anarchy, spiritual anarchy? And the answer is a big N-O. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But the way we address living holy under grace is not the same way the religious people address it. That's the difference. That's the difference. Grace does not promote licentiousness, sinful living, worldliness, lust. No, none of that. Titus 2, 11, 12, we read it earlier. The grace of God on the salvation of all men has appeared to all men. Teaching us. Teaching us to shun worldly lust. 
ungodliness and to live soberly, uprightly, and righteously in God. In this evil, in this present age. So clearly grace does not... The problem is, if you don't understand certain things that Paul taught, you know that, but you still will not be able to live it. And that's what God is going to help us to unlock in our two days together in Jesus' name. So Bishop, can you wait? Good. Pastor Nate, did you have something? I saw you... Oh, you, you have something? Okay, quickly. Give it to you. Yeah, okay. Please, sir. Uh, right till now, uh, what I've, I've, I've been trying to deduce according to my understanding, I, 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 may, I want to know if you can speak in a plain language that is, that is, is it once saved, forever saved? Thank you. If I can speak in a plain language. <laughs> there are many schools of thought on that question. Seriously. Before I received the grace message, I, Bank Akimola, was of the opinion that you could be born again today, lost tomorrow, born again today, tomorrow, next week, lose again the next month, get it again this following month, and lose it again next year. At best, that notion is still the Old Testament living. That was what happened in Moses. Are you following me? The Bible declares very clearly in the book of Hebrews that we have a better covenant that is based on better promises. So if the covenant we have is better and is based on better promises, I mean, yeah. What's the difference? Because what the traditional church teaches is that, okay, I'm born again. Ah, but I told a lie. And the minute, the minute I told that lie, if I don't confess it, if I die, I go to hell. Is that correct? Okay, maybe that does not get, that does not get, okay, let me use the bigger sin. You commit adultery. That's what you are waiting for. I know. <laughs> you guys are waiting for the big A, the adultery. Yes, because now, lie, I can take lie. Adultery, ah! Oh, mother. So we say, okay, a man is born again. He commits adultery. While he was doing it, if he, if he died, he goes straight to hell. That's what we teach. I taught it. I taught it. So you have another side of grace that says once you are born again, you are forever, eternally secured and born again. You can never be lost. So when I received the grace message, I went from born again, lose, born again, lose, born again, lose to the other side that said, you are born again, once and forever, eternal, completely, never again to be changed, saved. And the truth is, the revelation in scriptures is there to support that. But over the years, I've come to a middle road approach. And hear me, hear me very clearly. Based on John 3.16, what does it say? Say it again to me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him. Oh, 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 oh. believeth. 
Not just believe, believeth. What does believeth mean? Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. What does the next verse say? Who does not believe is condemned already. So my middle ground position is, while I embrace the one saved, eternally, completely secured, almost not being able to change, saved, <laughs> I have to give room for the possibility that people that believe can come back and say, you know what, I don't believe any longer. The chances of that is rare. I must, I must stress that. Because there's no one who can believe what I believe now. I'm enjoying what I'm enjoying now. That will be in their right mind that will come back and say, I don't believe it any longer. And the reason I have that submission is unbelief is the only sin for which Jesus did not cover in his, at the cross. That's the only thing his death did not cover. Unbelief. Did you guys get that? If you don't believe, it can't help you. So if I said I already believe him, I'd say, you know what? For some reason, I just, no, Jesus, I don't believe you any longer. At that point, he will weep. Because he has given everything to help you to get to that point. But you now, on your own volition, voluntarily give it up. So this is my point. No, okay, I need to make this point. Sir, you ask the question. I want Okay, please. I want to make sure you hear what I'm about to say. Are you hearing me? No sin can keep a believer out of heaven. Except unbelief. If you don't understand that, you don't understand what Jesus did at the cross. The work of the cross was a finished work. Finished about what? He finished paying the price for sins. Period. End of story. Anything less than that will be an insult to my Lord. It took care of the sin issue. I can't choose to say, you know what? I don't believe it. I'm forfeited. Now, I know people read some scriptures. Uh, adultery, fornication is there in Galatians. It's there in Corinthians. They read that and say this. Read the context. You understand that Paul is not talking about a believer, but, but people who have not received salvation. Yeah. Yes. Give it to Roderick. Then we're going to have this show. Hello? Yeah, thanks, Daddy. Um, I have, uh, once I, I had a leader who worked with, with me in ministry. Over a period of time, he changed faith where he became a Jew. And I've noticed, it's not only, I think I've I encountered about two other people that I've <laughs> met who said they were once believers, but now they are Jews. And these are Ghanaians. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and should be told, I didn't really go deep. The times we discussed, I tried to find out why he made that decision. But I remember one of the points that he said was that, I mean, the examples of Christian faith that he sees around uh, doesn't seem to hold. But the Jewish faith seems to hold much better. So I don't know. I, I really don't know the coining of my question. But somebody like this in this context, what would you... How would you respond to that? I leave them alone. I mean, listen, we are not called to be judges of men. Are you going to see in this passage, in, 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 in this book, as we continue to study, 
Paul is not, is not asking us to judge men's eternal destiny. It's not up to me and you to be judging, is this one going to heaven or hell? That's not my business. Really. One thing he tells us to do is to love one another. Because love never fails. So I don't know. I don't know what happened to the guy to become a Jew. I mean, he loves to be a Jew. Hey, more to him. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. I, one more, then I need to move on. Yeah. Ah, praise God. Thank you, Daddy. Yeah. Uh, please, I had a book that uh, I read. I read a certain book that says we have three phases of salvation. He say we have justification, sanctification, and glorification. So I want to know later about it. He say after you are justified, we are being sanctified daily basis. Then we'll be glorified. That is future. So according to the book said that justification is past when you became born again. Then we are being sanctified daily basis. And will be glorified in ten. So, so what's please, your question, sir? What's your question? So I want to know whether what the book is saying is correct or not. What, what do you think, sir? That is, to me, I think it was correct. Okay. But I want to know more. <laughs> you have to come to the seminary to know more. <laughs> yeah, but but it's, the the simple the the simplest way to say that. It is a truth that is profound, but there's more to learn from that, and this is not the setting for that. Yeah, you are justified past tense. You are being sanctified every day, and a day will come when you're going to see Jesus. So that's, that's it's, it's correct in its premise. Okay. Yes, yes, go ahead. Just a little contribution to that. Um, from the, the text in John 3, 16. Yes. Uh, that, you know, for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. If you look at the preceding verse, which is um, 14. Yeah. Is it, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, ah, thank even you. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up, <laughs> yes, so that whosoever believes in Him, yeah, will have eternal life. In fact, that that what made me reconstruct verse sixteen. So instead of for God so loved the world, you should read for so God loved the world, because he's comparing the preceding text to sixteen. Correct. What Moses did in the wilderness was to elevate the bronze serpent. Correct. That as they were being afflicted and they kept their gaze on the bronze statue, yes. they were delivered. Yes. So must your belief and your gaze be fixed on Christ. Absolutely. Permanently. Correct. For you to get that salvation. Absolutely. So it's not that God so loved, but just as Moses lifted Correct. the serpent, Correct. for so God also loved us. Correct. That he gave Christ that we must set our gaze Absolutely. on Absolutely. Very correct. Very, very right report. Very, very correct. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Sam, if you want to jump in at any time, you're free to do so, man. All right. So, why was Paul so passionate? That's, that's where we were. He was passionate because Christianity was at crossroads. It was about to be hijacked, just like uh, Roddy's friend, uh, make it a Jewish religion. False brethren had crept into the church to bring it into bondage by perverting the gospel and to diminish the essence of the finished work of Christ. And that's what the, Paul, the, the gospel of Paul is all about. 
the finished work of Christ. That's another distinction about him and the other writers. No one else was given that revelation about the finished work. And until you understand that, you will struggle with this issue of sin so much. You will struggle with it. You, you, you will just struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle until you understand that's the, that's the foundation of everything Jesus. The issue of the finished work. Amen? And uh, I just tell people, don't get caught up in the argument. Is it once saved, always saved? Is it saved and lost, saved and lost? Listen, if you are genuine and you love, you, 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 are, you are born again and you love God, this issue will settle itself. Forget this religious nonsense. People ask questions that are so nonsensical. Let me tell you what I mean by that. And this, this scripture here, that's good. I don't understand this one. Really? Do you understand everything about life? The car that brought you here this morning, do you understand how it works? Do you understand the combustion engine and how it makes a car move? But when you got in the car, you didn't ask that question. You just expect the car to take you to where you're going without asking all these silly, nonsensical questions. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, hey, well, God, I mean, you have to explain this to me. You have to... Nonsense. Really? I don't, even as I'm speaking now, I don't understand everything, Grace. I'm learning every day. What I'm teaching you now, I did not know it last year. True story. True story. We're forever learning and growing. While you're on earth, you must understand you are here so you can continue to increase your capacity to know him. So for you to now hoodwink your destiny, you hear something, you know it's true, but because there are one or two areas that you have no clarity, you now refuse to move. You have yourself to blame. Be careful. Be careful. And my wife will tell you, when this thing first started coming to us, I started meeting and said, wow, where is this thing going? I said, wait, 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 where do you think this thing is going? Ah, the scripture, I'm checking the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, ah. Where is this thing going? And then, by the time I, about three or four months, I said, man, man, I did not realize, this is, this is, it's for real. It's for real. And I can tell you, oh my goodness, my life is a lot more, is a lot better. I love my wife in a way that I was not capable of loving her before. Not because I didn't want to love her, but because I was under the law. I was trying to do it in my own flesh. Yes. My children, the same thing. All of a sudden, my heart just changed. Because now I'm realizing that me, Bank Akimola, I'm a man who needs grace on a daily basis. And therefore, if I need grace, how much more her are my children? Because to whom much is given, much is required. But if you don't have it, you cannot give it. And the mark of grace in anybody's life is that you yourself are living a graceful life. Don't tell me about your grace if you can't leave it out. It's not grace yet. It's just in your head. Most of the men and women that are known under the law, they are stern. 
they cannot buy joy if it's, if it's free. Because the bondage, they feel like if they smile, they are no longer holy. Folks, I, I, I enjoy a full life. And as long as I'm here, I'll do the work that God is giving me, and I'm still going to enjoy life. Amen. Someone was talking to me the other day, wanted to know the balance between my spiritual, my, my spiritual life and, and personal life. I laughed. <laughs> I said, you want to know the difference? There is absolutely none. None. No difference. I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. My identity is that I'm a spirit man. That's my identity. Now, my activity does not define my, acti uh, my identity. My identity defines my activity. You don't understand what I just said. If I'm playing racquetball, I'm playing racquetball, I'm just as spiritual as if I'm praying. <laughs> Africans are tough people, boy. You guys are looking at me. Wait, why you dare you say that? <laughs> I can see your faces, man. What? Racquetball and praying. How can that be the same? Okay. Let me give you one that you can understand. Jesus went to the Cana of Galilee at a wedding reception where wine was flowing. Was he spiritual or was he carnal? Let you law preachers tell me the answer. <laughs> Some of you have a heart attack. How dare Jesus go to a wedding reception? Ah, does he not know what they are doing there? They are, doing, they are drinking wine, they are eating. And, Jesus? No. Some of you say Jesus is not born again. By your definition. Please wake up. I pray that God will deliver you from this madness. In Jesus' name. He went to the wedding. Freely. Sat there. Because the wedding does not define him. He defines the wedding. He went there to show the glory of his father. And when the need came upon him, it manifested who he was. <laughs> I'm about to say something now. For you guys that are young, maybe you need to close your ears. When you hold your wife and you are kissing her, it can be as spiritual as you praying. Hey, Africans are, are funny people. They are looking at me. They are still looking at me very funny. <laughs> These Africans are saying, eh? Why is it spiritual? Who created the institution of marriage? Ah, you thought maybe Satan did it. Who created sex? Oh, I see. You have to understand that. The finished work of Christ and the issue of understanding your identity, those are two key subjects. Pastor Sam, I think the body of Christ needs to come to, come to grapple with. Because when you understand your identity, you, all of these lines, you transcend it. Yeah, you transcend it. Your identity does not change because of your activity. No. No. It doesn't change. But you first have to know who you are. And know whose you are. Very, very important. So, what are the lines of demarcation between your spiritual life and personal life? Talk to me. Are you guys saying it with confidence? <laughs> Let me ask you one more time. Are there any demarcations, demarcations between your personal life and your spiritual life? No, no, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, this is the key, though. 
You should not just say that in here. You now should go out and leave it out. Go out and leave it out. Chill. Take a chill pill. Just relax. Relax. Yeah. Because, you see, if we don't get it right, our children will not like God. They're going to see you, the way you react and respond to God and say, man, I don't want this kind of God. We give them the wrong image of who God is. God cannot have fun. God cannot be pleasant. God cannot be, God is always serious. His face is always wrinkled and all that. And our children grow up, they don't want to have anything to do with our God. Because we presented the wrong image of who God is. Jesus said to his disciples, come outside and rest for a while. Is that spiritual? Yes. <laughs> Most of us Africans would not think rest is spiritual. That you're going to take time off and go on leave of vacation and just go to Tema and lay on the beach and just relax. Ah, you are about to, you, the wall is getting to your head. <laughs> we call it three-day fasting. And ah, that pastor is backsliding. He's resting. He needs deliverance, exactly. <laughs> you call the guy with a big cross to come and deliver him. <laughs> Enjoy your life to the fullness. Your greatest witness is when you're living in a... Ah, I don't want to use the word because, you, again, I'm in Africa. No, I can't not use it, man. Ah, but Paul addressed it in Galatians chapter 5. We have free life. God is not holding to bondage, but to freedom. Says, but don't use that freedom as an occasion for sin. Rather use it to serve in love. Yeah. So Paul was passionate about his writing to the Galatian church because he saw that the church was at a crossroad. The church was about to be hijacked. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to speak to you in a hard, tough language. I think it's Galatians chapter 2 where it talks about how they have been bewitched. Yes. Let's go there. And I think we need to take it. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians. Now, the reason I like to read this thing, don't forget that it's the St. Paul that wrote to us a whole chapter about love. This is the same man that wrote us an exhortation on love. Now he says, you guys are foolish. Does that sound like a person that loves you? Actually, yes, it does. It's just tough love. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In Africa, when we say witchcraft, it's, it's, it's something else. You are finally lizard with a red head. Going to herbalist. But Paul says, when you fall out of grace, you are bewitched. You are bewitched. So Paul is using a very strong language here because of what is happening in the church. And don't forget what's happening in the church. I said to you, he established the church and the Judaizers, which are false brethren from, uh, from Judea, entered the church and they began to pervert the message of God's grace. They are saying, yes, you can be born again by faith in Jesus Christ and keeping the law of Moses. And Paul says, absolutely not. Now, let's bring it to contemporary day today. What are those things that we are doing in our establishments in our churches? That's a yoke on people's neck. 
Because we will say, no, we are not like them. We don't ask anybody to be circumcised. Maybe you don't. But what are you telling them to do that Jesus is not asking them to do? The law of Moses simply says, the concept or the principle of the law of Moses simply says, there are rules, policies, regulations, statutes, ordinances that Israel must keep in order to win God's favor. So if you and I are teaching Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Friday after Friday, and telling God's people that they must do A, B, C, D in order to be blessed, you are under the law. Ah, okay. I know now I can see your faces. I can see your faces. Three steps to being blessed by God, you are under the law. Five things you must do to, be pro to prosper, you are under the law. Ten steps to deliverance, you are under the law. Yeah. So you are not saying what the Galatians are saying, but you are saying, some, you are saying it in a different way. Now, why will I say that? Why will I say that if you're teaching five steps to this and three steps to that and 19 steps to this, that you're under, why will I make that statement? Does anybody understand why, that why? Anybody? Yes, Chris. That's about three steps and so on. It's about performance and not by grace. Not what has been done, not, not the finished work, but what I can do. And it's not about me. It should be about him. Very good point. Okay, let, let, he said it very correctly. Let me put it this way. What is it you are looking for now that you want done for you that Jesus has not done? What can you possibly be looking for or desiring that Jesus has not already done? Nothing. This is why you must understand the concept of the finished work. You see, when Jesus said on that cross, it is finished, he didn't use that word as a careless statement. As he stood or hung on that cross, he went back 4,000 years before and remembered what his father did. If you remember Jesus in John chapter 5, he says to us, what I see my father do is what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything new. I'm only doing what he has done and what he's showing me. So where did he see the word finish? In Genesis chapter 2. God brought the earth into existence. And on his seventh day, the Bible said, God rested. Why? Because he had finished the work that he was doing. So if you go back to the genesis of the word finish. When God finished in Genesis chapter 2, was there anything lacking for Adam? <laughs> when he said, a finished creation, was the sun still half hanging, the moon half hanging, the stars are not in place? Was what Adam needed to survive, everything was in place before Adam was brought into existence. God did not create Adam until everything was done. Everything Adam would need to survive, to flourish, to be blessed on earth was already completed before it was created. So God said, I finished it. Adam had no, had no need, none, none whatsoever. In the same fashion, Jesus, 4,000 years later, he said, what my father did in creation, I've just done it. Oh my God. It is finished. Nothing is to be added. Nothing is to be taken away. It is completely finito. Finished. Just as Adam did not have to lift a finger to do anything about his existence, but just believe and appropriate what has been created in the garden. 
Even so, Jesus invites you and I. I've already done it. It's finished. Just partake. Is that hard to understand? How would God have responded if Adam went to God and said, God, I need apple. Here you are in the whole garden. God said, I've made all of them. For you, for your food. He told him specifically, they are yours. How would God, how would God have reacted if Adam went to God? Can I, can I have a mango, please? Mango. You have the whole tree, Adam. Only one mango. You have a whole tree. So for me and you, the issue is not doing three steps to get blessed or doing four steps to be favored. No. You are already highly favored. I'm blessed. Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen, this, this is why I like this Paulo. I can't get off of him. Ephesians 1.3. We have been blessed with all. See, we said these things, but we have no idea what we're saying. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ. Notice what is blessed. Plus test. You are not going to be blessed. You are blessed. It's already happened. Just as you are reconciled, past tense. You are not going to be reconciled. So if I'm still preaching on what they must do to get it, I'm placing them under the law. And the unfortunate thing is, law produces sin in us. That's what most people don't understand. When I'm preaching law, 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 sin will be rampant in my congregation. Because the law is given to expose sin. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15 that the strength of the sin is law. So if people are committing adultery in your congregation, they are stealing your offerings in your congregation, they are in anger, lying, go and don't blame them. No, no. Point at you, the pastor. What are you teaching? Listen, you want me to show you proof? God knew that in Genesis. He gave the first law. Adam, don't touch this fruit. The day you touch it, that day you will die. What happened? He touched it. If he had not given them such instruction. So I'm saying to you, what you are telling people not to do, automatic empowerment to do it. Straight. And then you wonder, why? Is, ah, ah, people are just getting pregnant in congregation. They are just sleeping together. You are the reason. Go and check what you are teaching. Hello? Five more minutes, we'll take a break. So Paul spoke in his strongest and most corrective language to this church when compared to the rest of his letters. Now, application. And then we're going to close. We're going to take a break. Application. That's on page 18 in your notes. The scripture spends much time on genealogies to establish credibility. That's the reason. Credibility. Yeah. I mentioned that to you guys on Friday night when I was teaching. It's very important. We must live a wholesome life of integrity to get our message across, whether at home or at work. That's the, that has to do with the ethos. If the messenger is discredited, the message may be impacted. Be careful. And then I want to say to you, you must give attention to Paul's writings. Now, I'm not saying not to read anything else in the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. Please hear me loudly. Read the entire Bible. But if you're going to minister in the dispensation of the new covenant, you need to pay careful attention to Paul's writing from the correct perspective. And we should never take for granted the grace of God in our lives. Being ready to contend earnestly for the faith. 
That's what Paul did. He did not take it lightly that they planted this church based on God's grace. And the Judaizers came in there and began to pervert it. He went back with two double-barrel guns. <laughs> I mean, he was smoking. Who bewitched you? All oh, you foolish people. Now, don't go to your church tomorrow and say there and tell them they are foolish. <laughs> you may not have anybody left there the next week. <laughs> no, but, but on a serious note, on a serious note, he, he, he contended for the faith because he knew that if he didn't stop that flow, it was going to pervert the message and a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Amen? Thank you for listening to this message. You can reach Pastor Bank on Facebook at Pastor Bank Akimola, on Instagram at Bank Akimola, on Twitter at Pastor Bank. Stay blessed. We can overflow with purpose in mind. You say to us.